you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Well, you can take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 2. We're going to look at uh, verses 1 to 12 this morning. So I began uh, this Multiply series back in October by confessing to y'all that... uh, Did you hear that? That was a southern y'all that just came out of me. Where'd that come from? I, get, I, did, I was born in Virginia, so, you know, it's, it's coming that honest. Uh, so I'm a numbers guy. I like math. I like the puzzles that uh, you know, they present to my brain up to a certain point. Uh, but, you know, when you learn math, you have to learn a whole new language. You know, there's a whole language that uh, speaks uh, from the math discipline in, in symbols. Okay? And the higher you go in the discipline, the more complicated the symbols get so for instance this means something to somebody <clears throat> karen you know what that means yeah 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 I, I knew that you would but lauren knows what it means i know i know she does so yeah some that means something to somebody it doesn't mean anything to me here's another one now this one means the probability that event a will intersect with event b Now, the only reason I know that is because Maisie and I are neck deep in finite math right now trying to get through this this semester. So, but was, you know that one. Yeah, see, yeah. So, symbols. So, here's one that we we should all, you know, kind of recognize. Okay, nine times seven. We get that, right? So, there's a lot going on in that, really. Nine times seven. There's, there's, everything's got a name. So, there's factors. Okay, the, the nine and the seven, those are factors. The multiplicand and the multiplier, that's the factors. And then the product is, you know, what goes in the answer. So what's the answer? 63. 63. Yes, you got it right. Now, what did you just do there? You did the mathematical operation, which was multiply. You did the multiplication operation, which is the X there. Now, around here, we're talking about multiplying, and um, what we got to look at when we see this is, you know, it's, uh, it's not numbers. We're thinking about people. And so you and I are one of the factors. We're, we're one of the multipliers. And then the other number is, is an unbeliever, somebody who doesn't know Jesus yet, somebody who hasn't trusted them, trusted him with, with their life. And so we're, we're the factors, and then everything that happens on the right side of the equal sign that's what God does. He, he, he takes care of the answer for us. So what do we do? You know, we know how to multiply and we know how to do that operation. But what do we do when it comes to trying to multiply disciples, trying to multiply faith? What's the operation? What's the multiplication operation for the church? I can tell you in one word. It's love. Love is what we do. And we're going to look at... This passage of scripture as an example 
of what it looks like. So Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Indeed, no. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for your word uh, today. We thank you for the, the scene that we get to see here in this house of Jesus loving this man. And we pray that as we, uh, as we look at it, as we find our place in the story uh, this morning, that you'd stir in us that same kind of love, the kind that sees, the kind that acts, and the kind that speaks. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So love, love is what the multiplication operation is that we are interested in doing. Now, uh, the multiplying symbol, I had the X up there, but there's actually more. There's a star, a star, and also a dot. So all three of those things mean the multiplication in math. Well, just like that, in, in the church, there's different aspects of love that we use in this operation. So the first one is we have a love that sees Okay, a love that sees. So Jesus, he's back at, at his home base in Capernaum. Likely he's hanging out at Peter's house. And word is getting around that he's at home and Peter's house gets jam-packed with people. So it's probably about 50 people that are there. There's so many that they can't even get through the door anymore. So they've packed this place out. And very likely there's people all around outside the house hanging out just wanting to hear what Jesus is teaching. So that word has reached, uh, that Jesus is in town, that word has reached a group of multipliers. And they immediately thought of their friend who's at home. And he's a paralytic and he's living his life on a mat. He can't walk. And so their friends think of him and they, they heard Jesus was there. And, they, and their love saw their friend who was trapped in his own body. And so this is, this is where the operation starts for us. It starts with a love that sees. Did you know that one of the names of our God is uh, the God that sees me. It's El Roy, is I think how you say that. The God that sees me. In Genesis chapter 16, there's a story in there. Sarai, she's kind of given up on producing an heir uh, for Abraham, her husband. And so she comes up with this, this idea that she will give her servant Hagar to Abraham so that she could produce a child uh, for her. 
And so they, they, uh, they put this plan into action. Hagar gets pregnant, but Sarah's heart, it turns toward Hagar and she starts abusing her, starts treating her harshly. And so Hagar runs away. She says, I'm not sticking around for this abuse. And so she's out in the wilderness and an angel of the Lord comes to her and, and, and tells her, hey, God is going to bless you. And God is going to multiply. You are pregnant and God is going to multiply your descendants. You need to go home because you're going to bear a son. They're going to call him Ishmael and he is going to be a handful. They won't want to see him in the church nursery. (laughs) So Hagar believes this messenger from God and she prays. You are the God of seeing. Truly, here I have have seen him who looks after me. So we love like God does when we see. When we see the needs all around us. Now you you know how this feels, right? You know how important it is that God sees you. That he knows what's going on in your life. That he knows the, the, the number of the hairs on your head. Now you can know that he knows that, but you can actually know that he knows that. He can speak to you. He can say, like he did to Hagar, I'm seeing you. And that makes all the difference. It makes all the difference for our life, for our faith, for our hope. You know, it happens like when you're reading the Bible and he speaks the word to you, just the right word that you need to hear, right from, from the Bible in Leviticus, you know. Um, or, or somebody comes to you and they say just what you need to hear at just the right time that you need to hear. You know, one Saturday afternoon a, a few years ago, I was here at the church and I was getting things ready for Sunday. And, and I'll tell you, I was just having a bad day. I mean, everything was bad. My, my faith was taking a beating. I had some problems I could not solve. And, and I was just about as down as you could get. And so uh, as I'm getting things ready, in walks this friend that I had not seen in years. And he knew that I had started the church. He saw my car outside and he was driving by and felt like he needed to come in and say hi. So he comes in. His name is John Ork. He comes in and, and we catch up and he says, well, how are things going? And so I was honest with him and I said, they're going pretty rough right now. And he, he just said, well, let's pray about it. He put his hand on my shoulder and he, and he prayed over me. And he prayed exactly the things that I needed to hear at that exact moment. And when he left, I knew that God had sent him in here to speak those words to me. I knew God was seeing me. And that's, that's where it starts. That's how this multiplication operation begins. When we see others struggling in life. We want to be one of those four friends who sees their friend at home, who's trapped in their own body, who's paralyzed in life. We want to be like my friend John who came in and felt the Lord lead him to come in here. And he came in and spoke that message to me. We want to be like that. We want to have a love that sees. We want to have a love that notices people who are paralyzed in life. Now, this is a bigger deal than you might think. All you have to do is ask the one who is being seen. There is a pastor in South Carolina. His name is Pastor Ed Salmon, and he shared this experience with his church. He said, just yesterday, I was going out for lunch, and I got to the Forest Park area, 
And usually there's some, there's some homeless guys hanging around there looking for some help. And this day was no different. There was a, a terribly disheveled man there holding a sign that said, I am homeless. And he was walking down this line of cars wanting help. No one was looking at him. When he got to my car, I rolled my window down and I said, hey, I don't have any money for you right now, but I'll be back this way in about an hour and I'll have something for you then. And the, and the man said to him, thank you for looking at me. He didn't say anything about money. He didn't say, I'll be here when you get back. He said, thank you for looking at me. This is where it starts. This is where love starts. We have to have a love that sees. Now, as important as it is to see people who are paralyzed in life because of their material circumstances, whatever they may be, that is important. But it's even more important to see people that are spiritually paralyzed in life. Okay? I mean, Jesus saw right through this man's physical infirmities and and he saw right to his spiritual infirmities. His first words were not rise up and walk. They were, your sins are forgiven. Why? Because the spiritual needs were greater than the physical needs. Think of that. The man's paralytic. He physically can't walk, living on a mat. Spiritual needs greater than the physical needs. The purpose of the church is to make disciples. To multiply people who believe and follow Jesus. And if we're going to fulfill that purpose, we have to have a love that is going to see the spiritual needs of people all around us. Okay, so listen to how the Bible talks about spiritual paralysis. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Doesn't that sound awful? That is describing spiritual paralysis. Somebody who has not trusted Christ as Savior is spiritually dead because of their sins. They aren't really interested in following God or or knowing Him. And whether they know it or not, they're playing for the other team, the one that the devil's in charge of. Because there's only two teams. There's God's team and the devil's team in the spiritual world. They They are subject to God's anger. And they have no power, no ability to do anything other than to follow their sinful nature. They are slaves to sin. And when sin can just run rampant in your life, that means death is not far behind. Things are dying in people's lives. Marriages are dying. Families are dying. Careers are dying. Health is dying. All of these things. Death is happening. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And and so if sin is running rampant in your life, death is going to be there in some form or fashion. Starts as decay, moves to destruction, and then death. You know, life is hard, isn't it? Life's hard. Did you know that life is harder without God? 
life is harder without God. And when you are a slave to sin, you have to deal with all this death in your life. So how do you spot spiritual paralysis in someone's life? How do you spot it? I mean, you know, today it's like you can't, you're not allowed to look without being called somebody who's judging someone else. You know, like we're just not allowed to do that, even though we do it all the time. So, but here's how you overcome that. Look for death in people's lives. Look for death. Look for decay. Look for destruction. Look for drama. Right? Look for death. If you can see death in people's lives instead of their sin, you'll end up with eyes of compassion instead of eyes of judgment. Look for death. If you can see that people are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, your heart's going to be convicted and you're going to think, i got to get that person to Jesus. That's a love that sees. Now, once you see... Then you move to the, another aspect of this multiplication operation, a love that acts. So these four friends, they didn't just think of their paralyzed friend who was at home wishing he could get to Jesus. They went to his home and they carried him who knows how far to get to Peter's house, to get this man in front of him. Once they got there, saw the crowd, couldn't even get through the door. That didn't stop them. They, they took the stairs up to the roof which would have been there. They would have terraces. And they would have made a hole in the roof, lowered the man down right in front of Jesus. That's a love that acts. They didn't let obstacles get in their way. They remembered their friend and they went. So we see those four friends pouring out mercy on their friend. And that's, that's a love that acts. We remember the good Samaritan. You know, He's walking down the road and he sees the, the, the injured stranger there who've been passed by by the religious elite. And he stops and he, he takes him to a place to heal and he pays for all his expenses. And he says, I'll be back, take care of the other expenses. He took all the costs on himself. We see that. That's a love that, that acts. See the need, meet the need. We can't just see the need. We also have to try to meet the need. So why don't we meet the need? Well, I, th- I thought of four things. Indifference, inconvenience, inability, and incapacitation. We see the need, but we're indifferent to it. We just don't really care enough to help. We see the need, but it's not convenient to meet it. We don't have time. We're, we have other things to do, other important things. We, we see the need, but we don't think we have the ability to do anything about it. You know, we drive by, the, there's a car at the side of the road, the hood is up, somebody's looking at it. And I'm no mechanic, you don't want me under the hood of your car, so drive on by. We see the need and then we're incapacitated by fear. We're just afraid to get involved. I mean, what would happen if I stopped? What would happen if I get involved in this situation? You know, so those are the things that we struggle with. But see, this is where the followers of Jesus separate themselves from the rest of the world. See, just like our leader, he gave himself up for people who could not do anything for themselves. People who didn't deserve it. People who didn't want it. People who, didn't, who were against it. Just like Jesus gave himself up for us to solve our spiritual problem, we are called to do the same thing. We're called to be love-giving kind of people. 
So if indifference is, is what you're struggling with, you know, you start hearing a message like this, you start seeing four friends carry, you know, their uh, friend to Jesus, um, the Holy Spirit's going to start working on your heart. He's going to fix indifference. You'll start seeing lots of needs this week. If you're dealing with inability, I just want to remind you that the Holy Spirit has been given to you and he's called the helper. You know, now I'm not saying he's going to give you the knowledge to fix a car. I'd take it if you'd give it to me. But, um, you know, you know, you got Butch, our drummer, who could fix a car. And he just told me he'd do that for free if you couldn't pay for it. You can get somebody there. You got the car that works. Don't let inability stop you. If, if you're dealing with inconvenience, let me remind you that Jesus calls you to live your life with a cross on your back. Surrender to him, giving up our lives so we are available to other people. If you're dealing with incapacitation due to fear, faith is your answer. You know, faith that, you know, God loves you and he's got you and he sees you and he knows what's going on. He's calling you into this situation and no matter what happens, he's going to take care of you. Faith is the answer. The only way to to do what Jesus calls us to do, to love our neighbor, is to get involved. Is to put our love into action. In his book, The Enormous Exception, Earl Palmer tells about a pre-med undergrad student at UC Berkeley who became a Christian after a long journey of a lot of questions and a lot of doubts. So while this student was in school, he had a bout with the flu for 10 days, which took him out of class, which was a problem. You don't want to get behind at UC Berkeley as a pre-med student. So this guy has a has a Another, he has a classmate, a friend, who happens to be a Christian. And that guy took it upon himself to collect all the assignments and all the notes that this guy had missed and to take them over to him and then take time out of his own studies to help this guy catch up to the rest of the class. So this man, he he, uh, is quoted in the book as saying, you know that this just isn't done and I probably wouldn't have done it. But he gave that help to me without any fanfare or complaints. I wanted to know what made this friend of mine act the way he did. And so I found myself asking him if I could go to church with him. And then Palmer, the author of the book, he wrote this. I think the best tribute I ever heard concerning a Christian was the tribute spoken of this student. He said, I felt more alive when I was around this friend. That's love in action. We are life givers to others. When we're doing it Jesus' way. And that's the difference between us and the rest of the world. We, we give our lives away. And it, it costs us us. It costs us us. But the person who receives it, huge impact. So we can't just love when it's easy. We can't just love when it's fair or when it's safe. We can't just love when it's in our skill set to do it. We just have to go where the Holy Spirit leads us. We have to put Jesus' kind of love into action. And that means we're going to be carrying that cross on our back. I got another testimony of, of love in action. It's a, it's a video that I want to show you. It's about a lady named Becky. Let's watch. That is love in action, Amen. isn't it? I mean, Becky, she went from battling death all day because of her sin to being a person that's given life away. And as that video uh, got started... You know, she didn't look like anybody special, not anybody extraordinary. But by the end of it, she's a rock star in the kingdom of God, isn't she? And that's all because she went from sitting in the pew 
going home and seeking the Lord, asking him for a vision about how she could live her life for him, wrote it down. He provided an opportunity, and she said, yes. Had to give all of her fears, all of her doubts, all of her questions to God and to obey, but she said, she said, yes. And I watched that and I thought, why not here? Why not here? Why couldn't you go home today and seek the Lord for a vision about how you could spend your life giving it away, showing people his love? Why couldn't you do that today? I mean, what holds you back? Is it indifference? Is it, is it too busy, too afraid? Is it God can't use me, my story? What is it? You know, Jesus is calling today. He's calling right here today. What is the plow that you have to burn to say yes to Jesus? What would happen if you said yes? There's people all around us that are paralyzed by life. Paralyzed spiritually, slaves to sin. And you know what? We have the answer, church. And if we don't share it, nobody will. So will you see? Will you use a love that sees people? Will you go to them? Will you carry them to Jesus? We have to put this love that we've been given into action. This is how we do the multiplication operation. So with this, this multiplying, powerful, life-giving love not only sees and not only acts, but it also speaks. It speaks. I mean, imagine Jesus in this scene. He sees this man being lowered down in front of him, and he's in this room packed with people. And he's afraid to speak because of all these eyes on him. You know, he's got the Pharisees in there and they're listening. They're trying to figure out who Jesus is at this point in his ministry. They want, they're listening for something that he's going to say that's wrong. You know, where they can say, you know, blasphemer. You got, you got consumers there. People that are just, you know, wanting to see if the rumors about Jesus is true. That he can really do miracles. And maybe he'll do something for me. You got needy people there, I'm sure, that are really needing Jesus to heal them or give them, give them some kind of support for their, for their life. All those people would have been in this house. And of course you got Jesus' friends, but they would be in the minority in this group. So what if all those eyes would have kept Jesus from saying the words that this man most needed to hear? My son, your sins are forgiven. Because isn't that what happens to us? We don't speak the words. We have eyes of compassion. We, we have a love that sees. And then a lot of us will have a love that moves. It will, it will act. It will it'll meet a need. But very few of us will have a love that speaks these words of life that can rescue people from sin and the devil and hell. You know, last week I gave you some questions. 
questions to use when you're in that moment. You're on the mountaintop with somebody and you're having this opportunity to have a spiritual conversation. And, you know, those questions, they were for that moment. They were for the multiplication moment. They're right next to the equal sign when God takes you off into this spiritual experience, this mountaintop experience with somebody. And so we jumped right there. You know, questions like, hey, what, what do you believe about Jesus? Or, you know, if you died tonight, what would happen if you didn't wake up in this world? What do you think is going to happen? You know, questions like that. Well, now today I've, I've given you the way to get there, the operation. You've got the rest of the operation, a love that sees and a love that moves and acts. Will you go beyond that to a love that then speaks Speaks about the one who can save people from their sin and save them to a life with God. <clears throat> There's this famous quote. It says, preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. And, you know, that quote is attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. And... Um, some people say it's like his most famous quote, but there's a problem with it. He never said that. <laughs> his writings encourage his followers to make sure that their actions are matching their words about Christ, but there's no evidence that the quote is his. <laughs> and, and furthermore, the quote isn't accurate. See, if you're always showing your gospel love in action, but you're never speaking the gospel love, you will never be a multiplier in the kingdom of God. Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. No one ever came to Christ because they saw an example of his love and said, Oh, I need to believe in Jesus. God uses our example of gospel love to draw people to himself. His word says, if Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. When we show gospel love, God uses that to draw people to himself. But they're coming to him through you. They're going to be drawn to you. They're going to want to know. And that's when you got the opportunity to speak the words of life. Jesus loves you. So, what do we need to say to get the gospel across? What's the, what, let's break it down to the four things. There's four things, four essentials that you need to get to in conversation with somebody. All right, and the first one is God. The gospel starts with God. God is creator. He is perfect and he is holy and he is righteous. And he created all of us to worship him and adore him and enjoy him forever. He didn't create us because he needed us for anything. He was sufficient. He's God. He doesn't need anything. No, he created us because he wanted to know us. And not only that, you got a fingerprint that says you're unique. So he wanted to know you. Gospel starts with God. It pleased him when we were formed in our mother's womb. This God, this righteous, holy, awesome, created God, he is love. And he loves you just as you are. That's the first essential. Start there. Lots of good conversation you can have about that. 
The second part is us. We come next in this gospel good news. Man was born, born for God, but we rebelled against him. And we started doing things that he didn't want us to do. And when we do those things, we offend God. He's holy and righteous, and the acts that we do offend his heart. We ourselves are not an offense to God, but the things that we do are an offense to him. And most of the time when we do something bad, we feel bad about it and we want to make things right. But the problem is because God is such a holy, righteous God and he is the highest being ever, we can't make up for the wrong things that we do. And so we got a problem if we die in our life. Without making things right with God, we're separated from him forever in a place of pain and suffering and torment called hell. That's the second part. Us. The third part is the good news. The good news of Jesus. See, God, knowing our dilemma and wanting wanting us to, to be with him, he showed us his love by doing this. He sent his only son to come and live our life. Except when he came, he was able to do it without sinning. He was never did anything in word, thought, or deed to offend his heavenly father. And then he was nailed to a cross. And his blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. And he said while he was dying on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So God was using people to open a way For us to be able to come back to him by the blood of his own son. So Jesus, the one who never sinned, he took all of our sin on him so that we could be made right with God. Now, how can you be sure that this Jesus is the one? How can we be sure that his blood would forgive my sin? Because after he was buried, three days later, he walked out of the grave. And his tomb is empty and he is alive, proving that he is the son of God and that everything he said is true. And he is alive. And guess what he's doing right now? He's praying for you. He's praying for you. That's the third part of the gospel. The fourth part is a response. A response. You know what Jesus is praying for you right now? That you would believe in him. That you would turn from your life that you've been living and give it to him and let him show you a brand new way to live. And then you ask, would you like to do that? I can help you talk to him if you want. That's what we need to be talking about with people. That is a love that speaks. That's the kind of love that will make a multiplication operation happen. Now, you can shorten that. You can draw it out using your own Jesus story in there. But those are the words of life that God will use to multiply uh, believers in the world. So, my friends, that's the reason that the church exists. That is the beginning of making a disciple. That is how we multiply Love means we're going to share the good news with people that God created us and loves us, that we were made to love him, but we go went our own way. He sent Jesus to die for us so that we could have a way to be forgiven of our sins and to know God forever. 
That's the words of life that we want to be able to share. Will you believe that? Will you believe in Jesus? Wouldn't it be amazing if everybody in the next year in 2020, well, December 2019 to next December, had an opportunity to share that with somebody? Don't worry about what's after the equal sign. Let God take care of that. We're just a factor in the equation. We're just a multiplier. And he wants to multiply through, through us. So do you believe this? Has this story made all the difference in your life? Then it's time to get on the move. It's time to start conducting a multiplication operation. So we're going to close our service this morning in a special way. Our, our MIME team has been working on a song uh, to share with you. Now, normally our, our mimes are uh, kind of, you know, a, a song that will get you reflecting on your faith, hope, and love in God. But this song is not like that. This song is hopefully going to get you up and get you moving. All right. Enjoy. Enjoy.